HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hello and welcome to Life's a Banquet. It is a podcast. You already know that. It's about the highs and lows of all things edible, spreadable, and pourable with me, your host, Chevy Chase. And me, your host, the the cat from Christmas Vacation that gets stuck in the Christmas box. <laughs> the cat that gets burned through the floor in cat <laughs> shape with its arms and legs spread out wide. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that funny. was just a stunt, though. I didn't die in, that, in the making of that. Oh, amazing. There was a stunt cat. You're perfectly fine. That's incredible. And you look yeah. great. Thank you. For a burned cat. <laughs> well, the stunt cat died. I lived. <laughs> okay, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Hello, Nicole. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? You know what? I'd say I'm above average. I feel great. I feel fine. I had an exciting thing happen this week. I'm very famous now, and I'm going to have to charge you for this episode. <laughs> Me? Yeah, all of you. Everyone's going to pay, pay up, bitches. I was featured in the motherfucking New Yorker this week. It was a great honor, in all seriousness. Very great honor. So the wonderful. New the, the New Yorker is not failing. I'm sorry. The New Yorker is better than ever. The New York Times? Okay. Um... But anyway, no, it was super fun. Zaza got reviewed in the New Yorker. Thank you so much, uh, Tana Goldfield, who wrote the article. And uh, yeah, I'm doing really good. It's it was a really fun weekend celebrating. Great. Yes. Thank you for your congratulations. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know I had to congratulate you on air in addition to congratulating mm. you when it actually happened. Please publicly congratulate me. I had to appreciate congratulations. it. Congratulations. Thank uh, you. Oh my god, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Um, oh so how are you doing? Were you in any magazines this weekend? <laughs> um, well, well, what if I was, bitch? I wouldn't be bragging about it. I can keep it to myself. <sighs> well, you're a better person than I am. <laughs> so what's going on with you? What have you been doing? Um, not a whole lot. Been working. We've been really busy at work for some reason. Um, don't know why. And well, get nice out. Well, not here. It was nice the last two days. It's about we're having another snowstorm this week. You know, it's that's 60 degrees today, and it's going to be like 23 for the high tomorrow. Oh, Maron. Oh, Becky and I got stuck in what was described to us by our phones this weekend as a snow squall. Oh, right. The white squall. A white squall. <laughs> a what, real. What was it? Was it a real squall. snowstorm? It was a fucking squall. In fact, the squall was so strong that it literally blew Becky over. And she crumpled Whoa. up like a fucking, I don't know, like a paper airplane. So squall refers to a wind then. Yes, that's correct. I believe the squall is the wind. Is the wind. High so wind. So it's not snow then? Well, I think a snow squall is, is snowy. But I believe, you, I don't know, can you have a, like, a, hmm, like a rain squall? Al Roker, I, please, if you're listening, which we know you are, call into the show. Well, did it snow? Yeah. Sure did. Out of nowhere. Of okay. surprise, sneaky, deadly squall. <laughs> Were these like, would we call these gale force winds? <laughs> I would. 
<laughs> I would definitely call it a gale force win. <laughs> well, gale force gale? win. And what is she doing out there with the wind? <laughs> it's Oprah's best friend. And she's like, I will not be overshadowed. So she just right. blows and blows. Everybody knows. <laughs> so it was like dangerously high winds and also snow. Freakishly high, enough to blow over uh, a fairly lanky grown woman. But still, I mean, she literally blew over from the wind. <laughs> It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. What did you do? You couldn't save her because you could have been blown over yourself. I laughed and laughed, and I ran right past her into safety. Just left her there for dead. She died, actually. Sorry, I meant to tell you. I was busy bragging about my New York article, but I should have started with the fact that Becky died in a snow squall. (laughs) So how much snow did you guys get? Not a lot. We were upstate. Um... I had to like drive up to write an article on this hotel and she did the photographs. And so we're upstate and uh, we, everything was going perfectly fine until out of nowhere, a squall descended upon us. Well, I knew that there was a squall coming because a lot of people who live in New York were posting about it on Instagram.com, like ready to stay home for the squall. Oh, a squall happened in New York as well. Right. Oh, interesting. I thought it was just like a country squall, but really it was a, what a large vast far-reaching squall (laughs) but also um are you saying then that there was no snow in new york when you arrived home no didn't see a single or married flake of snow in new york interesting no more than when i had left but i'll tell you what my car is filthy i don't know why it's covered in salt we had a ton of snow then it all melted and it got hot outside and then it rained so then my car was freshly washed by god Mm. and then now it's gonna and then it sleeted Ugh. so then i got some more salt chunks and then and now it's gonna snow again i don't even know what the point of getting it washed would be i think you should burn it in a fire that's a good idea i can yeah. do insurance fraud yes yes insurance fraud it's perfect when you talk about that publicly before you do it just yes. announce it well they no one there's no way that anyone will ever know about this it's only you, think- you and i and one person listening you don't think insurance adjusters are like our, our core audience? Like, so you don't. Okay, but in this scenario, the insurance adjuster, who, according to the movies I've seen, do do insane investigations in order to prove that the poor bastard who's been paying all of this money to the insurance company shouldn't have any of it back. Um, <laughs> but they're going to be like, okay, we're going to listen to every single episode of the podcast to make sure that she didn't mention committing insurance fraud bare minimum bro they're gonna start with the podcast that's easy before they go like rifling through your underwear draw which is the next step down Mm -hmm. Mm. these people are freaks if i do burn the car in a fire i'll simply come back here and tell you to cut this little section out it'd be no problem armin do you hear that armin's our producer armin stop burping (laughs) (laughs) start (laughs) clipping at once ah oh my god oh my god <gasps> folks that was a live that was a live burp on air by our producer Wait, can you burp on command armin yes wow can you burp <laughs> oh. the alphabet yes but not on air <laughs> whoa dude that is wild you know what the youth of america am i right folks the youths yeah well we can't trust them anyway well, I'm glad that it's picking up at your work, please. Maybe people are over, you know, I mean, usually like Super Bowl, Valentine's, Valentine's Day, busy, Super Bowl, not so busy. People were confused. Now they're getting back in action. They're like, it's time to go eat. What do you serve at your restaurant? Nachos? <laughs> I wish. No, just like, I don't know, American food, but not really. I don't really know. Um, I have to go get some vaguely American food. Elevated hipster cuisine. Perfection. Um, it was weird, though, because of the Super Bowl being the same weekend as Valentine's Day, which usually doesn't happen. Um, usually the Super Bowl is the first week of February, but because they had to add extra games or whatever this year, we had like a weird scenario because Valentine's Day was on a Monday, which were closed on Monday. Mm. And we did not open for Valentine's Day. And Sunday was the Super Bowl, which is, you know, the day before Valentine's Day. So we didn't know what was going to happen if maybe people would come in anyway, but they did not. But they came in Friday and Saturday, but not Sunday. Very, very interesting, yes. The Super Bowl, folks, classically the slowest day of the entire year for restaurants. I think it's strange. The Super Bowl is boring. Why do so many people watch it? So many people, like, don't watch it. That's exactly right. 
So I don't understand why we would be so dead. But yeah, I stopped by our restaurant on Sunday and there were very few human beings in there besides me. (laughs) Are you getting excited about spring? Well, no. I mean, spring isn't going to, it's not going to be warm out until like May. That's true. Now, I'm going to share something with you and our listeners, which you might already know about me. Folks, I hate spring. I don't like it at all. I don't like the colors. I don't like the allergies. I'm (laughs) not interested in spring animals. Spring holidays, flowers are fine, obviously. I find it too, like, hot and then cold and then hot and then cold. I'm always sneezing. It's not for me. I don't like it at all. I don't think it it even gets hot in spring. It's freezing and sleeting. And people are like, every time someone says spring is my favorite time of year, I'm like, what are you talking about? Those people are psychopaths. We can't trust those people. You like like, sleeting? You like going outside and it's 50 degrees and then in that same day it'll turn to 20 degrees and you're not wearing socks? Right. Or like my problem with spring is that some days it's like 80 degrees, but then the next day it's 30 degrees and it's like impossible to like know what to wear. You always are like carrying around a big sweater, but then you're like hot. It's stupid. I think we should get rid of it, which I think uh, global think warming global is warming. doing for us. Yeah, it's trying. <laughs> Thank you. It's darndest. Yeah. Everyone's out here being like, global warming is terrible. All these fucking conservative people don't believe it. And you know what I say? I say, thank the Lord for global warming because we don't have to deal with spring anymore. Or yeah, winter or fall. From... <laughs> <laughs> or being able to live um, or, or breathe breathing. the air. Or the fact that New York City will be, you know, underwater in three months. <laughs> That's fine. I love swimming. <laughs> um, okay, well, I have some... Jennifer news, a very small tidbit. Because oh, thank God, I thought you, you know, would never. We had a we had a big update last week, so there can't be any news this week. Mm. Um, the news is that Jennifer Garner says it's totally fine if Jennifer get engaged. She doesn't give a fuck. She said, "I don't give a fuck." No, I don't think she swears in real life. She said, she "I don't give a fudge." <laughs> she's like, "I don't give a darn if that old father of my three children with all bad eyesight can <laughs> get married whenever he wants." She's like, let that fucking back tattoo be someone else's problem already. Literally, I'm yeah. trying to live my life. I can't fucking still believe that man has that back tattoo. That's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. <laughs> and, like, don't these people have handlers? No one was like, absolutely not, Ben. He's like, but look, it's a phoenix rising from the ashes, just like me. <laughs> He's like, the ashes are literally Jennifer Garner, and I hope she doesn't get mad at me for saying that. <laughs> it's a phoenix rising out of my butt crack. Reaching towards my brain. <laughs> I mean, like, why don't you just get a poster of that and put it in your, you know, office. man cave? You don't have to keep it in your house. Just put it in your office. <gasps> He's or like, nah, actor, put it on my back. You probably spend one day a month or something. You know how much fucking makeup this guy must have to go through? He should just get a whole new back, which I'm sure is possible for famous rich celebrities because, like, I'm sure they're paying, like, I don't know, a makeup artist, like, Billion thousand dollars a day to like cover up that back tattoo. Yeah, probably not ten thousand dollars, but um, he could just get a back transplant. You're right. Maybe they just do a little like prosthetic back and just like kind of attach it onto his Dude, back. A back trans, <laughs> a back transplant. <laughs> so invasive. That's major yeah. surgery. Well, I feel like it's either that or the. The back prosthetic, which maybe is an easier thing because they, you know, they can do amazing things with all sorts of prostheses these days for film. Sure. You know what I think? They should just add another front. America's first double fronted famous movie star. Yeah, that would be interesting for sure. The man with two fronts. That's do like... we even see him shirtless in movies ever? No, but we could if double time if he had two fronts. <laughs> Right, they wouldn't even have to get a body double because then he would always just be facing forward. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, America's two double-fronted movie star, Ben Affleck. Guys, you heard it here first. Ben, if you're listening, please, but this is a trademark. I'd like to do the surgery myself. (laughs) Copyright. All right, Nicole, speaking of Ben Affleck, our topic today is famous presidents and what they like to eat. Yeah, obviously Zara picked this topic because she's obsessed with what you guys clamor to hear about. Wars, presidents. <laughs> I love presidents, guys. I think all presidents, a, a, yeah, a, pag. 
All presidents are great. Yes, all presidents are great. Every okay. last one of them better mm-hmm. than yeah. the next. And they seem to just be getting better at, ever since Obama. You have Trump, fabulous. And then Joe Biden, who obviously everybody loves. He is beloved. And also apparently his reanimated dead body is running for next year's election. Get I heard the from- fuck up out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Two disgusting old fucking fascists. Trump, like, Biden, a rematch. On my 100th birthday, I want to be president <laughs> of the United States. I will never die. Oh, what a horrible idea. Guys, this was a bad idea to begin with. That's just gotten worse. It's like having Bernie from Weekend. And not good Bernie, not Bernie Sanders, like Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's being like, let's make a trequel, a trilogy, or whatever, a quadruple. Yes, a trequel is definitely a word that people use all the time to describe a trilogy. (laughs) (laughs) Time for Biden, the trequel. Well, Um, I don't know what to say. Well, I picked... Our most hottest president for mine. Um, I'm just kidding. He is not that great looking. Um, well, now he's a skeleton. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I picked Woodrow Wilson, who was a teeny bit more racist than I realized. But that Uh-oh. should not come as a surprise since he was just our 28th president. It was the teens, the 19 teens. Mm. Um, being racist was... Very hip and cool back then. Seems um, to be coming back into fashion. Bigger yeah. and better than ever. So, yeah, I got some fun facts because the food stuff about him is not enough to fill a whole period of time to talk about. But um, okay. I was committed to the bit, and so now I had to roll with it. <laughs> so, 28th president, Woodrow Wilson. Obviously, he's dead, but he was super old anyway because his first memory is hearing that Abraham Lincoln was nominated or voted president. So he's so old. He's so old when President Lincoln became president, he was alive. Your Woodrow Um, Wilson's so old, he remembers looking at... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I can't even even finish that one. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, He was the last of our beautiful presidents to arrive at the inauguration by horse-drawn carriage <laughs> because I guess the horseless carriage took over after that. I don't know. I'm assuming. A self-driving carriage but called a car. I'm just putting it together here. <laughs> they called it the horseless carriage back then, Zara. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've ever seen an old-timey movie, but they talk about it a lot. A horseless carriage driven by a headless horseman. <laughs> yes. Um, unfortunately, the man who we elected to be the most powerful man in the country was anti-integration. Um, he reinforced the whites-only bathrooms in the White House. He kicked somebody out when they became too argumentative with him about the civil rights movement. Um, Woodrow Wilson did this? Yes. God. He eventually became the president of Princeton in which during that time, no black students were admitted. Um, And there were during the civil rights movement, students had to sit in at Princeton where they requested that all of the like memorabilia and dedications to Woodrow Wilson be removed. And Princeton was like, no, thank you. We're going to keep these around. Um, Princeton. Yes, cool, shocking. super cool, Princeton. Yes, very shocking. Not only are we going to keep these around, we're going to raise tuition to pay for their upkeep. Um, he was not all bad, though. He's like, women should vote. Okay. Um, he initially was indifferent because, you know, why not? He's busy. Um, but there were a bunch of suffrage protesters outside the White House who were, like, dragged off and arrested and they did, then they had a hun- hunger strike, and they were being force-fed, which sounds <laughs> Well, horrifying. it's like foie gras. It's fine. Totally, yes. Um, <laughs> and so it says in this article that I read that he was horrified by this. I don't think he actually did anything about it. But mm-hmm. a year later, he advocated for chicks to get the vote in front of Congress. And two years later they were able to vote. So it probably has something to do with him. Who knows? Um, 
He was the first, okay, we're back to the bad stuff. He was the first user of the screening room at the White House. Um, oh, and didn't he screen Birth of a Nation? Yes, he did. He screened Birth of a Nation, which has been called, and I quote, the most reprehensibly racist film in Hollywood history. <laughs> right. And did also, like, won an Oscar. So just think about yeah. that next time you tune in to watch Eminem sing Lose Yourself at the Academy Awards. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, but in addition to being racist, he was a lovable kook. He had sheep on the White House lawn, which was that's shocking cute. back then. Well, and it would be shocking admitted. now. I that's think. cute. It would be shocking at any time. A bunch of sheep just running around for what reason? Just because he liked the look of it, their woolly bottoms? Well, it was nine, well, 1915. I feel like it was a different time, but mostly because of what he will talk about later, his food will win the war movement. He was like, hey, I'm these sheep are eating my grass which cannot be cut by men because they're fighting in the war and i'm going to sell their wool and give the money to charity <coughs> blah 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 mm, sure 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 okay so in addition to being a racist lovable sheep loving kook this man was in a love triangle what the hell with yeah. ulysses s grant and abraham lincoln no that's he little... okay go um ahead. he married a woman Okay. But while they're married, he took solo trips to Bermuda, <gasps> where he fraternized with Mary Peck. Okay. What then, the fuck? After they were done fraternizing, they had a years-long pen pal affair while he was in the White House. Then, his wife died. Uh and instead of getting together with Peck, he got together with a different bitch. What? With the classic Woodrow. With a name then, like Woodrow, who's surprised, really? Yeah, and then, so Mary was like, this is a bummer, but she didn't really do anything about it, and Wilson's handlers lied and said that Peck was going to sell the love letters but um, so that he wouldn't get married so soon to this other lady um, after his wife died. But instead, he just came clean to this new gal and was like, listen, I used to fraternize in Bermuda, what do you say? And she's like, I'll marry you anyway, bro. It's totally chill. Sure. <laughs> um, and then famously, according to Drunk History, um, she, so he had a stroke while he was in office. And she, his new wife, Edith, basically like hid that from everyone. And basically for 17 months was the acting president of the United States, non-elected. Um which is, I think, pretty cool. Um, she did some cool stuff. I can't. I didn't have time to look up. But you just really need to watch the drunk history. It gets into who much does more the, who does it? Who is there a guest on it? Yeah, but I don't remember who. It was no one um, special. But um, I think there's famous people in it. But I it, saw it a long time ago. But, okay, um, got it, got it, got it. Then yeah, so she for 17 months he had a stroke. He was literally like completely incapacitated, and they hid it for 17 months, which I think is very cool. That's amazing. What a cover-up. And that's what's happening now with Joe Biden. Um, <laughs> so anyway, moving on, he started this Food Will Win the War campaign, which basically, during the First World War, even though we were not officially allies with Europe, we were unofficial allies, we provided them with a ton of food to feed their troops. And to the point where we ran out of American food for Americans to eat. And so... They were like, oh, no, um, we need to tell everyone to eat less. So they started this program called Food Will Win the War, which was a propaganda campaign led by Herbert Hoover. Um, Hoover? I hardly know her. <laughs> um, but it led to Americans eating 15% less, which I think is crazy because in the 1915s, I feel like people weren't even eating a lot to begin with. <laughs> totally. You know, everyone was, like, skinnier back then. Absolutely. Um and so, yeah, 15% reduction, Meatless Monday was invented because of that, and Wheatless Wednesday was invented um, so that people would eat less wheat so they could send it to the troops. Um, he also had this kind of creepy uh, like propaganda aimed at immigrants, and it was like, you came here seeking freedom. In order to preserve that freedom, you need to eat less and support our troops. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Um, yeah, so then this, of course, rolled over into World War II, and Food Will Win the War became a 
wonderful short film produced by Walt Disney. Um, and then, you know, all the rationing and things that we know about from World War II, which I think we've covered in our wars episode. Uh, yes, our, our World War II <laughs> episode. Just wait, we're coming back at you with World War I pretty soon. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's pretty interesting. They also, Hoover invented this wheat alternative called Hoover Wheat. <laughs> Hoover um, Wheat, I hardly know her. I'm sure he didn't actually invent it, but um, it's just interesting what people can do. But it's also just interesting that they were like, Americans will want to sacrifice their food for the troops, which is probably true at the time. But um, yeah, so yeah, the whole propaganda propaganda thing was really interesting. They would probably still sacrifice their food for the troops, but they won't wear a tiny piece of cloth in front of their face for the people that live next door to them. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> But the truth. Uh, that's all I have about good old Woody Wilson. Woody Woody Woodpecker Wilson? Yes. Amazing. Well, you know what? I don't know that I've ever heard anyone named Woodrow before. Yeah, he's the only one, I think. Do you think there's any other Woodrows? If you're out there, prove it. Call into yeah. the show if you're a Woodrow. We'd like to hear from you. Yeah, we don't want to slander you by saying that you don't exist. Right. You may exist, but I don't know about you. That's for sure. Maybe right. Woody Harrelson's real first name is Woodrow. Woodrow Harrelson? Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll allow it. I believe it. <laughs> and I like it. Okay, great. Well, on that note, let's take a break, regroup. When we come back, we'll have more information about presidents. It's President's <laughs> Day, folks. This wasn't just random. Okay. Goodbye. My name is Brandon Hoy co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Hello. Hello. We're back. Nicole, are you with me? We're back. Tell me if you're with me. All right. So... I do believe APAB, all presidents are bastards. <laughs> However, there is one president that despite his bastardness, I truly have a soft spot for. And I think it's because I have a fascination with like the 1960s and the kind of barred nostalgia for that time period. We're talking about the presidents of the United States of America, the band. Just kidding. We're talking about <laughs> President John Falcor Kennedy. That was his real middle name. Falcor? <laughs> John Flaming Lips Kennedy John Fitzgerald Kennedy my favorite president and yours if you had to pick a favorite president who would it be I don't know I guess sure why not okay great Uh, I mean FDR he's the sluttiest president he is the sexiest and sluttiest president and what's not to like about that okay so before I get into this I just want to mention one funny thing that I read just looking at presidents and food and it says Calvin Coolidge inexplicably referred to any and all meals as supper, even if it was breakfast time. Inexplicably. Inexplicably. I don't know. I guess no one ever asked, hey, Cal, (laughs) what's this all about? Yo, CC, what's the deal? CC, what up? Um, And he was the originator of CNC Music Factory. It was Calvin Coolidge Music Factory. The Roosevelt famously served hot dogs to the king and queen of England. Faux pas, folks. That's a major faux pas. (coughs) Sorry, I have to cough. That's fine, I know, it's shocking. Um, That's probably why the queen has COVID right now. Exactly. She got it all the way back then, it stuck with her. And a menu for the state dinner for the crowned heads of Greece, given by the Eisenhower administration, reads as depressing as any unemployment figures. Toasted triscuits, fish and cheese sauce, and sliced lemon, spelled with two M's. Lemon. 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 Okay, folks, I got most of my information today from history.com, which I spelled out history, D O T C O M, for some reason. Um, <laughs> John Falcor Kennedy was born on the 29th of May in the year of our Lord, 1917. So he's very old. Um, he was born when Woodrow Wilson was in office. Whoa. Whoa, that's crazy. He was very old. He would be very old now. He was sadly very young when he passed away. Far too young, 46 years old. He was the 35th president of the United States. 
And before becoming so, he served as a journalist, a congressman, a senator from the great state of Massachusetts. Journalist in quotation marks. Journalist, quote, unquote. He, he dabbled in journalism. Um, he wrote a book, but he didn't really write it. He wrote the book of love. He used to be a, he used to be the, his pen name was Jacqueline Suzanne. Uh, Oh my God. Becky and I went upstate this weekend. This is a total sidebar, but we're sitting in this like very cutesy bakery, like sharing a cookie and a coffee. And, uh, it was like super cutesy. Like there were, it was all pink inside and it was meant to look like a tea room where you'd go, like if you were a little kid and you could imagine like your perfect tea, and there was like kids toys and there was like books all over. And there's this one bookshelf with every single book that Dean Koontz had ever written. <laughs> what? So <laughs> shocking. <laughs> I was like, what? that doesn't make any sense. Behind you, Koontz, <laughs> they're Koontz fanatics here. Wild. <clears throat> really weird. Okay. So anyway, um, JFK serves in the Navy from 1941 to 1945. He's terribly hurt during this time with injuries that would like persist I think through his presidency he had a terrible Mm -hmm. back some people explain it as he basically had a hole in his back that never was closed he's just a gaping permanent wound in his back yeah I heard that too and yeah and he also had trouble walking sometimes yeah and he also had colitis which is terrible um so he was very unhealthy um but very attractive and uh, somehow he still got a lot of ladies, even with an open hole in him. He's like, please don't put anything in there. <laughs> Just act as though it's not there. Don't look at the hole. Don't touch the hole. Don't lick the hole. No fingering the hole. Um, and not the we same time. We do not time. want all holes filled here <laughs> in this scenario. <laughs> at the same time, he's spraying diarrhea everywhere from his colitis. Which all is really no joke. Yes, all over Marilyn Monroe's face, but she was into that. Allegedly. Okay, anyway, enough about that. He serves as president from 1961 to 1963. He is the first elected Catholic president, which is very contentious for the time, as we all know. It seems very weird now that that would be a problem, but uh, as we all, as some of us may know, Catholics were really frowned upon during this time period. You know, it's so bizarre that what's the difference even i have no idea even the difference is it just because like irish people were tended to be catholic and we hated irish people so much long ago i don't really know i'm sure there's been billions of articles written about this i choose to ignore most of religion and pay no attention to it so this is something i don't understand and i'm probably never going to this is not where i'm gonna spend my time uh well it probably has something to do with class right because wasps are protestant it's in their name so technically they would the Kennedys would not be wasps. And you mean by wasps the bug? No. White Anglo Saxon <laughs> no, Protestants. <laughs> they were wasps because they're Catholic. <laughs> oh God, that's so funny. Wasps the bug. <laughs> the bug. Okay, sorry. Anyway. So back to talking about Kennedy. Are you ready to get into this story? Yes, I'm so ready. Okay, fabulous. That was just a little bit of a backstory. So as I mentioned, Kennedy was a war hero, quote unquote, if that's even a thing. After Lieutenant Kennedy uh, was torpedoed by the Japanese during World War II, Kennedy led, led his surviving crew to an island where they sought shelter and ate coconuts. The following morning, Kennedy and one of his crewmates swam to another island where they found a box of Japanese provisions uh, containing crackers and candy so this is just a small food moment from his time as a warmongering (laughs) war hero (laughs) okay so there's this whole thing about how when he was in berlin giving an address that he called himself a jelly donut that he said uh ich bin in berliner which like translates to i am a jelly donut Mm. but apparently like he actually said it right but for decades and decades the people of berlin have been laughing at him uh saying that he called himself a jelly donut (laughs) which i think is hilarious i thought a berliner was cream filled but i guess it's jelly filled -filled. who knows what they're doing over there i think the the toilet's flushed the other way the internet says that there it's a german donut with no central hole so 
Well, that doesn't describe Kennedy because we all know he does have a central hole right, in, the, exactly. in his back, which is dripping. It probably looks like a, <laughs> bee, a jelly donut. <laughs> he was telling the truth. He's like, I'm trying to tell you I have jelly dripping out of the hole in my back. <laughs> yes, and no central hole. I don't know where it is. It's not centrally located. If it was, I'd probably be dead. <laughs> okay. So before the Kennedys arrive in the White House in the year 1961, it's pretty stodgy in there, right? It's stuffy. They're all eating turtle soup and fucking meatloaf. God knows what else. No one's really having any fun. No one's having sex. It's boring. It's stupid. It's full of dust. Enter Jacqueline Kennedy and Jack Kennedy. The Jacks. (laughs) The Jacks. Well, she wasn't yet an Onassis. She became an Onassis later. At that point in time, she was... Just barely escaped being a Bouvier. Um, so anyway, Jackie was a f- bit of a Francophile, which for you lay people means she loved all things French. And which means that she probably will eat turtle soup then. That's true. She liked turtles. She liked things in shells. It just had to be classy. So the Kennedys changed the kind of whole vibe there. Um, Jackie Kennedy hires a French chef. His name is René Verdon. And quickly, the White House menu has changed from featuring saltines and beef stew to more sophisticated fare. Nicole, like saltines, saltines and beef stew are out. In comes, I like them too. In comes Sol Veronique and strawberries Romanoff. Wow. Fancy, fancy, schmancy, dancy. So... Uh, Chef Rudon's influence was felt throughout the country because people like were obsessed with the Kennedys, right? Like in this time yes. period, they were like wanted to do, they wanted to dress like Jackie Kennedy. They really, people were in love with them. Like, and I guess similarly to now, how people feel about the Bidens. Everybody yes. is ripping out their hair and combing it over to the side and walking around with their arms in front of them like a zombie, just like Joe Biden. And people are eating taco salads like their other favorite president, Donald Trump. Anyway. Does he um, like taco salads? Because I like taco salads. Okay, man, they're good. Taco salads are good, but they were good before him. I don't even think he probably... This motherfucker definitely doesn't eat the bowl, and that's the best part. <laughs> so uh, his his influence is felt throughout the country, and at the same time, like people start going fucking cuckoo for French food, right? It's like everywhere. And Julia Child um, has the French chef, and more Americans become interested in dining à la française, so it's kind of like, you know, when we see all those like things in aspects and jellies and like the 60s and 70s and stuff like that, like this is what was on menus and it was largely due to the Kennedys. Um, oh, I didn't influence. know the Kennedys were to blame. Yes. <clears throat> um, so did you do the show? What's his name? Rene Vardon says, quote, Miss Kennedy had tastes as cosmopolitan as my own. The president's tastes were somewhat heartier. When he was permitted to indulge them, Mrs. Mr. Kennedy was very fond of the tiny quiches he had for his lunch. President yeah. Kennedy did enjoy cold beer, and Mrs. Kennedy favored the daiquiri. Ooh, I do love a daiquiri. Me too. He says this in the White House, Chef, White House Chef's Cookbook. So, being party animals that they were, the Kennedys install a bar in the state dining room complete with butlers to shake and pour martinis and bourbon. Instead of the usual five to six course dinner, Jackie streamlines the meals. So there's only four courses. um, And that was to leave enough time for a post-dinner entertainment and conversation, AKA a key party. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably true. I know. So funny. And then men and women, men and women mingled freely after Kennedy dinners. Whereas in previous years, the men would go off to like, you know, a smoking room and the women would go off to some like tea parlor, fancy tea parlor and read Dean Kuhn's books. <laughs> Aloud to each other. <laughs> oh, perhaps the most celebrated. This is kind of the crux of my story. So uh, according to history, DOT come uh, perhaps the most celebrated White House dinner of the Kennedy years was held at uh, President Washington's Grand House, Mount Vernon, uh, in honor of the president of Pakistan. On July 11th, 1961, nearly 140 guests joined President and Mrs. Kennedy to honor President Mohammed Ayub Khan of Pakistan and his daughter, Begum Nasir Akar Aurazabeb. Sorry, that is mispronounced. Aurunagazeb. 
Pardon me. <laughs> I'm going to try it again. Just kidding. I think I got it almost right. President uh, guests were transported down the Potomac on yachts with dance music played and champagne freely poured. Dance music? Yes. I told you. CNC Music Factory at Calvin Coolidge. <laughs> she was there. <laughs> okay. Um, so the night arrives. It's all, everyone's all at Twitter. Everyone's on Twitter. And, uh, <laughs> and guests are like taken down the Potomac by boat. Uh, from the Washington Navy Yard to Mount Vernon. So there's four yachts to bring all these people down. Pr- President Kennedy serves as host on the Honey Fitz. Jackie Kennedy accompanies a bunch of other guests about, aboard a vessel named the Sequoia. A smaller presidential yacht called the Patrick J was sailed with Lyndon Johnson, and the remaining guests were hosted by Mrs. Johnson and Secretary of State Dean Rusk in a boat called, in a PT boat called the Guardian. What's a PT boat? I don't know. That's what it says here. It sounds like some kind of, like a shit boat. I just think it kept getting worse and worse, right? (laughs) So then I wrote, Ted Kennedy paddled the most unimportant guests in a canoe. (laughs) (laughs) The part-time boat, it's probably a duck boat. One of those boats that drives on land in Seattle and then also can go into the water. Right. That sounds about right. All I know is that the least important folks were with uh, Lady Bird Johnson. And uh, then the riffraff went with Ted Kennedy and shotgun beers in his canoe. I bet that Kennedy got a beach on that boat where he was all alone without Jackie. 100%. His boat was filled with all the hot women and then everybody else was dispersed amongst the, uh, the other people. So they have Marines that are lining a path up to Mount Vernon. And someone is quoted as saying, I heard a strange crackling noise as the cars went up the hill and realized that the sound was the wheels of the limousines driving over the toes of the Marines. What? That's not true. (laughs) They just drove over fucking all these people's toes. All these Marines' toes while they stood there. probably never driven over gravel before. Right. He's like, it must have been the toes. What else could make that cracking sound? (laughs) If we broke the toes of 300,000 Marines lying in the walkway, we would hear I know about it by now. Um, It was a single, it was a single Marine. Okay. The French meal (laughs) was prepared in the White House kitchen, and then it gets, like, brought over to Mount Vernon by military vehicles. So (laughs) military vehicles were brought over by special, uh, the military vehicles are, like, refrigerated uh, and heated army trucks. Our tax dollars at work. Our tax dollars at work, exactly. And the White House chef, René Verdon, threatened to go back to France after the (laughs) army started spraying the area with insect repellent. He was convinced that his food would be poisoned, and and he had to be assured that the food was safe by having Secret Service agents eat some of it. Well, they thought that insect repellent was safe back then, but it wasn't. Exactly, indeed. (laughs) And that is actually how President Kennedy passed away. Guests were treated to crab meat and avocado mimosas, poulet chaussier, and fresh local raspberries with whipped cream. Mm. Sounds delicious. To cap off the evening, the National Symphony Orchestra gives a concert featuring, what else, a rendition of George Gershwin's An American in Paris. However, there's a problem. The National Symphony Orchestra was all set to play uh, in front of the mansion on a special stage built into the slope leading down in the river. But when they began to rehearse, the music started wafting like behind them. So it like couldn't be heard in the mansion area. And so they had to immediate, like on the fly build, uh, get the national park service in to construct an acoustic shell around the musicians. So the music could be like funneled back the other way. Was it the first band shell ever made? I, maybe. I mean, probably. <clears throat> so I mean that they didn't practice this beforehand. I, it seems very like all very haphazard. Like, okay, let's spray some insect repellent into the food, <laughs> and then just let's let drive them. over all the military escorts. <laughs> just like drive over their toes. Okay, so uh, then the moment comes where like uh, the military salute in front of the mansion. They were like they had practice. They were doing it with blanks, of course, like muskets, and they would fire smoke filled blanks into the air but um during the rehearsal was no problem but the day of the event they ended up firing it into uh where like the press bin was so they're just firing (laughs) muskets at the press and so (laughs) not the uh, first time right so then president ayub turns to president kennedy and says quote i I see you feel the same way about the press that we do (laughs) lol 
Very funny. Hilarious. Talking about killing press. Okay. So that's kind of like a funny story about him and food. Um, apparently he loves soup salad and sandwiches. <laughs> the everyman, especially you guessed it, New England clam chowder, which is delicious, but makes me feel sick. Just thinking about the fact that he had a big open hole in his back, like eating clam chowder. I don't know. For some reason, the, the mix of the two doesn't work for me. Well, I feel like it wasn't like a hole in his stomach. I know. I, I figured like just squirting out. out the back. But maybe not. Um, I don't think he had like a colostomy bag or anything. Sure. A colostomy bag full of clam chowder. (laughs) Um, So this is very sadly, and I know I'm making a lot of jokes, but I know this was a really terrible time when I talked to like my parents about what this was like. It's sad. Whenever I see anything about like on Mad Men, when they had the episode when Kenny was killed, it really, it makes me sad. But so he's killed in Dallas, Texas, as we know, on November 22nd, 1963 by a one-armed man. Um, the Warren Commission insisted he acted alone, but Kevin Costner isn't buying it. Yeah. The grassy knoll, you dudes. The knoll, people. The knoll. Uh, the night before he died, he goes to a 3,200-person banquet at the Rice Hotel in Houston and recalled by former worker, Rudy, former worker Rudy Castro, Kennedy's last meal was a simple breakfast of soft-boiled eggs, bacon, toast, marmalade, orange juice, and coffee. Rudy Castro says, yeah, that um, at the banquet, he eats, like, kind of simple food that they had cooked, like some biscuits and some kind of, like, meat. And then when he saw him, he looked like a movie star. 3,200 people at a banquet, it seems mental. How do you even make that much food? I don't know. (laughs) We should know. This show is called Life's a Banquet. Life's a Banquet with 3,200 people was the original name. (laughs) We changed it to simplify. (laughs) <laughs> life's a 3200 person banquet figure it out <laughs> oh my god oh it's funny it's funny so anyway that's my story about kennedy i thought it was pretty good very good i like avocado with crab in it we, no should, have, we should bring that back that's fucking good that's good eating that's eating good in the neighborhood even someone with a hole in them could enjoy something like that absolutely that is right Hopefully the avocados are ripe, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And not overly ripe, because that would be an American tragedy. I feel like for 140 people, somebody got an unripe avocado. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So, top three favorite presidents, Nicole. <laughs> Just um, kidding. <laughs> I don't have one of those. Um, there is a president from Indiana who died after 32 days in office. Oh, right. Who is that president? Damn it. Harrison. Uh, right. George Harrison of the Beatles. William Henry Harrison? No, I don't know. All we know is his last name is Harrison. He was only in office for 32 days. He got pneumonia during a way too long speech in the middle of like a snowstorm or something. That's what happens. Uh, when you but if you're on. interested, you can come to Indianapolis and look at his old house where he used to live. It's right down around the corner from, well, from where I used to live, not from where I am right now. I am interested. Psych. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite presidents are JFK, FDR, and of course Taft, because he became stuck in a bathtub, which to this day amazes me. I don't know how you get stuck in a bathtub. It seems like no matter how large you are, it seems like there's such a big opening at the top. It's not like it cinches at the top, so I don't understand how it happened, but I love well, the story. I thought he probably just couldn't get up. He didn't really get stuck. That's like probably the wrong way of explaining it. Yeah. I think of it being like stuck like... You know what I mean? Like wedged in there and can't be pulled sure. out. Like if a ring gets stuck on your finger or something, except it's a president in a bathtub. And they had to put like mayonnaise on it to get him out. Yes. Mayonnaise, mayonnaise and bath water together. What a yucky combination. <laughs> Ew. Disgusting. Um, uh, yeah. I can say my like least favorite president. I mean, I had, there's so many bad presidents basically every one of them. It was hard to pick um, a least favorite, but I do have some other funny food memories about presidents that maybe we could just talk about for a second. And when I was talking the other day about doing the show, I'm like, oh, maybe I should do the time when George Bush, H.W. Bush, threw up on the prime minister of Japan. Oh, yeah, that's what you said you were going to do. But, I like, there's not a lot about <clears throat> it. And, like, I don't think he just had, like, a stomach flu. He had a tummy ache? He had a tum-tum ache. He had tummy trouble. Yeah. And there was big trouble in little Japan for him. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, and then, you know, I don't know what the fuck George Bush, George W. Bush likes to eat because he just does so much cocaine. He probably doesn't even eat. And we already know about Nixon and his fucking freaky cottage cheese and ketchup. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of popular food facts. Jimmy Carter was a peanut farmer. Jimmy Carter, peanut farmer. Jimmy Carter, peanut butter, peanut cotta. That's how we practice our Australian accent by saying those two things. Jimmy Carter, peanut farmer, peanut butter, peanut cotta. It's good, Mm. right? Yeah. Also, peanut butter, peanut cotta would probably be good. I like smushy things. I just don't like peanut butter for dessert. I do. Uh, What about a Reese's peanut butter cup? That's a dessert. Yeah, but not really. More of a snack. Like here and now for dessert, we're having this peanut butter cup. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) mega peanut butter cup. You have to eat with a fork and knife. Oh my God, dude. Speaking of peanut butter things, freaking Trader Joe's now sells a snack that is so delicious. It's like a peanut shape. It's like the shape of like a peanut in a shell. Mm Mm-hmm but it's like milk chocolate and inside is like this very salty, creamy, delicious peanut butter and little crunchies. Whoa. Oh my God. So, <clears throat> so good. Really Tra- like Trader Joe's has really good peanut butter cups too. The mini ones. Yes. Their peanut butter, their dark chocolate peanut butter cups are like so fabulous. Yummy. Okay. Well, I liked this episode. I thought it was very funny and I we learned did a good job. I learned about Woodrow Wilson. Yes. our our hottest president who do you think the hottest president was was it Kennedy I don't know I can't picture 80% of our presidents I'm looking at a picture from right now because as you know I do have a few portraits of Kennedy in my house and I'm looking at one right now and I would I would give a dog a bone for sure sure if he's good enough for Marilyn Monroe (laughs) and sure 8,000 other women (laughs) he's good enough for me (laughs) eight thousand thirty two hundred banquet members cannot be wrong <laughs> he boned all of them <sighs> all right well great episode love you very much happy president's day everyone it was yesterday but i hope you had a great time celebrating and <laughs> not having your trash picked up or getting your mail okay that's it bye life's banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.